Hello and welcome back to Movies On My Mind. I'm Rosie and the movie on my mind this week, kicking off October, is The Others. 2001, directed by Alejandro Abinaba. That's the movie I'm picking this week. I don't know whether a lot of people know it. I didn't know it. I literally watched it for the first time this week. But I really liked it. So I am going to talk about it on this episode of Movies On My Mind. Because there is so much in it that I love. It's a horror. It's Well, now what I'm discovering trying to find movies to do on this podcast is... The horror movies are strangely like the way that they're libraried in Netflix and Disney Plus doesn't even have a genre horror option for some reason or I can't find it because I'm an idiot. But anyway, it's really weirdly organised and I wouldn't class this necessarily as a horror. I mean, it's a 12. Yeah, it's got horror elements, of course, but it's more like supernatural thriller, psychological, loads of stuff going on there. But I wouldn't necessarily put it in the same categories as some of the other stuff. This is definitely quite creepy and it kind of gives... It, it leaves you with a feeling as well, which I really love about it. It's quite deep as well. There's a lot of twists and turns and major, major spoilers. So if you haven't seen this film and you, well, and you want to see it without it being spoiled, then please actually just turn this podcast off <laughs> because this film takes you on such a journey and the ending, it just works really well. And I, you know, obviously if you wanted to have that, then you're gonna lose it by listening to me spoil everything. And you know what, I don't even know how many people are gonna listen to this because I never heard of this film before this week and it's such a random one, but I just had to do an episode on it. So obviously, if you don't want it to be spoiled, don't listen anymore because it's gonna ruin it. Uh, But if you don't mind it being spoiled and you wanna hear the conversation first, then by all means keep listening and great if you've already seen it because I literally didn't know this existed. Apparently it's one of the highest grossing Spanish films. The director is Spanish obviously with that great name and he wrote it, he also did the music as well but anyway he wrote it first in Spanish so it's technically a Spanish film and he's a Spanish director but it came out in English. I don't know whether there is a Spanish version, I don't think so. It made so much profit because basically the budget so small literally i think it's 17 million which is actually tiny i think if like a budget's below like 100 million then that's classed as pretty low budget and it obviously made way more than that at the cinema so great it's such a simple film as well a lot there's not many characters in it the setting is just one place and it's just so simple and i really like that kind of thing because you can get kind of go in depth with the simplicity you don't have any distractions necessarily everything is right there in front of you and in terms of the ending the ending is right there in front of you the entire time and you're just constantly being gaslit all the way through there is so much gaslighting in this film and it's so bad that you are gaslit yourself well i was i mean if you can already tell the ending is kind of obvious when you think about it but i didn't know it was going to happen in the way it did and just being gassed at the entire time was an experience and a half and then at the end it's like everything's kind of explained and you're like oh okay okay didn't see that coming but okay cool I'm I'm here for it so um yeah 
really really interesting so it it stars nicole kidman as grace this um kind of mother of two children the lady of the house it is set just after the second world war and apparently it's set like in jersey so like the island and that's why it's so isolated and it's like this big house like a grand house a fog everywhere it's so autumnal so creepy and it's just set in this house and there's the mother grace and the two children Anne and nicholas they have a father called charles but he's kind of off the scene christopher eccleston plays him he does a return for a short period in this which i will explain later but they do have a father and then there's the three servants that kind of like the working staff that come mysteriously at the beginning and go and work for them but apart from that there is really no nobody else really hmm apart from at the end okay so now i'm gonna do the summary and i'm gonna like basically spoil it all so literally if you've not turned off please go away because major major spoilers so the film starts off so i'll do it in the film order this is not necessarily the order of like plot i think in terms of trying to understand it you have to kind of do it the other way around but i'm gonna go from watching it perspective if that makes sense so at the start you kind of you go into this house and you meet the three servants go up to the house and they're like okay cool cool new job this is what you think they're like oh let's work here anyway grace the lady of the house nicole kidman opens the door and is like oh okay are you the new servants and they're like oh yeah sure sure whatever and she's like okay cool and then they go inside and she kind of gives them a tour of the house and everything and they're a bit like you don't need to show us around and she's a bit like that's a bit weird but okay and she says that her two children nicholas and anne have like this um i think it's as a proper condition but i don't have the proper name for it because i can't remember it but it's a condition where people are like sensitive to light which means that if too much light hits their skin they have rashes and they don't they can't be in this light all the time so they have to kind of be kept indoors curtains closed that kind of thing and the kids are kind of like put away into these dark rooms and she's like i can't open so many doors because so much light will get in they're very precious children i've got to keep them safe and the lady's like cool cool you do get weird vibe from the servant so there's an older woman and then an older man and then there is a younger girl but she's mute so she doesn't speak which is kind of strange and i don't know whether it's properly explained i think it was i don't know if i was paying attention it's not like properly properly explained why that the way she went mute but everything's a little bit off so i mean the three servants i mean the number three as well but like okay and then you've got that mute servant as well which is like a little bit off center so it's not you know completely normal and okay we know something is kind of a bit awry here but anyway so she shows them the children the children are fine they're pretty you know full of life and <laughs> but they're like you know having a good time they're they're okay and then they we see the children and the mother do a lot of like bible readings and things like that she's quite strictly religious which again major points that i'm going to go on to explain and things like that we have a quite a big religion emphasis but also at the start like at the intro it's like a bedtime story it's her voice like voicing over this kind of illustration stuff going let's begin the story are you ready things like that so yeah we see that happen and then we we kind of learn things one by one so the kids have this condition they can't go outside 
The mother is really strictly religious. But then the kids start being like, oh, I keep seeing this boy. I keep seeing this. I keep seeing that as if it's like ghosts. And their mother is like, no, there are no ghosts. Stop it. Until the mother starts hearing these voices as well and she's like there's ghosts here there must be ghosts so she kind of goes a bit crazy and it's kind of a descent to madness that happens where she's paranoid that her house is haunted and she's like oh my god you know I've got to get rid of this I can't have these ghosts in my house that kind of thing so she gets like crazy and then the servant people are like really chill about it for some reason and then it's known that their father went away to war but he never came back and the war is ended so they kind of are hoping a little bit that he might come back is the vibe anyway he just appears she goes out into the fog one day and he comes and he appears but he's in like his uniform still and he's got cuts on himself He's not in the best of... He's not in the prime of his life here. He's, you know, a bit beaten and bruised. And obviously, they're amazed to see him. But, you know, like, they're so happy. And he kind of goes up and he he meets them and everything. But then he just kind of, like, drifts into nothingness. So, in terms of his mannerisms. So, at first, he's like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. And And then he's just like there's nothing left of him like it's kind of like PTSD I'm guessing that kind of thing where like he just zones out completely we don't know what's going on there a little bit weird a little bit creepy anyway then he just leaves all of a sudden just goes the others are just like where's he gone we don't know he's just gone so normal and then these like ghost sightings and everything kind of escalate and the children start to fear their mother's madness because apparently an event prior to this kind of where the film starts is apparently the servants like just disappeared one day they just went with no explanation and no one can remember what happened and as in the mother the children no one can like properly remember what happened they didn't really speak about it and it just kind of escalates and escalates until she's getting really paranoid and all this stuff And then it turns out, this whole time, so this is the major, major spoiler, the whole time that this was happening, they were dead already. So everyone in the house that we are introduced to, so the mother, the two kids, and the servants are all dead. They died. The servants died long before, but the mother and the two children died on the same day. And the ghosts that they keep seeing aren't ghosts they're real life people so basically what's happening is in the house itself people are going in to do like ghost readings and like trying to speak to the dead that kind of thing so when they keep saying that I'm seeing an old woman I'm seeing a little boy they were thinking that it was someone already dead when they are the dead ones and it's actually like the people doing the ghost hunting and figured out as well obviously revealed at the end that she killed her two children, realised she killed them, and then shot herself. And that's it. (laughs) Like, I was gaslit the whole time. I was fully aware. I did enjoy it, but yeah, crazy gaslighting. That was not the ending I had that I thought was going to happen. I thought something was off straight away, but I didn't think it was that. I didn't think it was that far, but I really, really liked that. I think this was just such a okay (laughs) moment for me and the thing I love about this film is the set the just atmosphere and the like the aesthetic amazing the house is well it's quite big quite you know it's very kind of empty as well which I think again actually yes 
It is. Oh my god, I didn't even realise. Yeah, for a big house, the house is very empty. And it's... I've just realised this now. And it's never really explained why it's empty. Like, at some point, she sends the kids to do their reading of the Bible. She sends them off to separate rooms to do that. And one of the kids has to lie on the floor because there's no furniture. And they've just got, like, a candlestick with them. Because there's no furniture. I think there's, obviously, the piano. There's a a big one in it. That, you know, people keep playing the piano. These people are living people playing the piano who live in that house. (laughs) Yeah, and then there's just... There's a lack... There is, like, a lack of furniture and stuff like that. And I think... And there's a room which she goes into that's just all white. And it's got, like, stuff in it. And it's all over, like, sheet over it. And... It looks like little, like, ghosts and stuff. It looks really cool. And again, it's a storage room. It's a, apparently the kids call it the junk room. And actually, I think that's just all their stuff. All of the moving stuff and it's all in there for... Re- I'd be like, well, why, why have you got this junk room with ever- more stuff in it than the rest of the house? If, you know, you're not living here, what? I'm confused. But actually, yeah, that makes sense. Because they're dead. That's why. Okay, so I've got a little cup of tea with me here, so... It's keeping me going. Right, so I have... I could say so many things about this film, but I'm just kind of going to keep it as organised as I can. Honestly, the last few weeks I've been off the rails, so... (laughs) We're getting deep, but, you know, hopefully in an organised way. I don't know, I did try and plan it a little bit this week. Oops. What am I going to start with? Oh, let's just start with religion. Because straight from the start, it is kind of a big part of their lives. I mean... A grace the the woman of the house talks about you know jesus talks about god talks about the afterlife and they do talk about the afterlife quite a lot throughout it and you're a bit like oh, this is a little bit deep okay okay it makes perfect sense now so they talk about kind of like what god will do to you if will happen when you go to hell what would make you go to hell all of these things what would make you go to heaven really kind of deep things really reflective things and that is what she's kind of preaching with her children. She punishes them by for them to read the Bible, which again now kind of makes sense in terms of, I like to see that this house in general represents, you know, represents purgatory. So purgatory is like, so the director, he was born Catholic, brought up Catholic. I don't think he's necessarily Catholic now, but he had a Catholic upbringing. So in terms of Catholicism, so purgatory is kind of believed as, you know, you either go to heaven or if your soul needs cleansing, if your soul needs, you know, a little bit of work, you weren't perfect, you stay in purgatory until that kind of works out for you. And it's kind of like the middle ground between hell and heaven. And I'd like to think that this kind of film is that, is the purgatory. And well, obviously at the end of the start, I didn't think it at all. But yeah, so the middle ground, you know, purgatory, that is where they are which makes sense as to why like the mother might punish them with bible readings and things like that to be like you know cleanse yourself and there is that question of religion as well that is brought up quite a lot in terms of the kids not believing in it as much as the mother does and things like that and as well obviously the conversation you know they just lived through the war so there's also that questioning being like what's good what's bad and again I think this film is a great exploration of what's good and bad and it doesn't answer it in the end as well which I think is even more effective and it makes sense as the director may be questioning his own beliefs and being like is this what I believe in do I support 
these ideologies and he does criticize it i think quite a lot in this film okay so i'm gonna get full-on biblical studies with you now (laughs) so in terms of this was kind of a loose point not quite sure Mm, i don't know if i'm gonna go far with it but anyway for me one thing i really noticed was the kind of contrast between what grace wears and what her children wear now grace often wears this she does change clothes which is interesting for someone who's dead And so do the kids, I think. All the kids wear quite similar stuff. Interesting. Anyway, so Grace wears red, the colour red, which I thought was an interesting choice because I was like, okay, so she's wearing red and then her kids are wearing pure white. They always wear white. Their makeup, they have extra white on them. The kids are so amazing. They are literally the best part of this film other kids they are cast so perfectly and they do such a great job in terms of visually as well and how they look and how they fit into this kind of environment perfect so creepy so innocent as well and that is the point here so grace wears this red color which you know links her maybe to power as well because she is obviously the woman of this house and she is trying to maintain her power i mean she's dead but that's what she struggles with this kind of control and her being in such a high place in terms of society is really difficult when you know she maybe can't emotionally maintain it because there's something wrong with her so as well in terms of the bible we're talking about red and we're talking about blood and also the murder that she committed of her kid's death and as well in terms of like biblical stories and stuff you know jesus did die to save the sins to cleanse the world and he paid that price in blood and i'm gonna be talking about kind of cleansing of sin and that kind of thing in terms of her she did sacrifice herself in the end of course but it's this kind of cleansing and right and wrong and cancelling out that is a little bit kind of confusing. But yeah, so we see her in red for that reason. And also in terms of, you know, red can sometimes mean sin. It can relate to, like maybe uh, Mary Magdalene, who was an interesting figure who was, you know, not perfect, who sinned, who was cleansed, whatever. So she's not, she's not a perfect, you know, she you know, if, if Grace was wearing blue, then we might, you know, put her with the Virgin Mary and go, oh my god, perfect. But she isn't, she's wearing red. So she's not, she's not a perfect figure. And we do find that out. Well, straight away, to be honest, she's got quite questionable beliefs anyway. And the way she treats her children is a little bit questionable. But, you know, we can ignore it for the start. Because it doesn't seem malicious at the start. It doesn't. It not, not in that way. Okay. Also, interestingly as well, we're going to link to religion again. Now, I don't know how accurate this is, and I might have to, like, reconfirm this, but in one shot, which was such a, is such an amazing shot, she's kind of, like, in darkness. Someone, I can't remember when it was, but there's, like, shadow, and then it, like, fades into light, so the light kind of comes out, and there's this painting, and there's a white face, and the white face, like, you think it's, like, a ghost, but it's not. It's, um... It's a painting and it's of like um, a Puritan cavalier, I think, something something like that. I will have to re- reconfirm this because a little bit dodgy, but it's, you know. So um, the painting is called The Wounded Cavalier. Now I've seen the painting and the pilgrim kind of Puritan figure is not actually the main thing of the painting, if that makes sense. It's, um, there's this puritan figure standing over this wounded man basically and he doesn't help him he has a book 
which we're guessing is the Bible, near him and he's just looking at him. And that is the figure that they use in the painting in the film. And yeah, so he's a morally questionable figure that's a little bit mysterious. And I think that that definitely describes a lot of the things that go on in this film, really. Something like that. And if we're thinking if they are a Puritan, then that is the extreme of religion. And it's obviously Puritans in Oliver Cromwell's day were people who, you know, they were like, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do anything you cannot be happy because you must just love religion so much. Like, they were so restrictive, so authoritative, and that is definitely the ideology that Grace, the mother in this, has. And of course, she's punished for it. She's not punished for it, but she acts out because of it, and I think that's a really interesting point as well, is, yes, yeah, she's so she's so clean and disciplined and all this stuff, but yes, yeah, she's the one that kills her children, so where is where is the right here? Because I don't think there is one. Yeah, and it's, it's the darker side of religion. It's using religion as a political device to control people. And yeah, you can link that to how she treats her children. So, yeah, so I'm going to talk about cleansing. You do feel at the end of this film that something has been changed. Obviously, we have like an equilibrium restored or like a new equilibrium ha- happens. So everything is how it should be. And it's strange. Why would we feel that way when two children have been murdered and a woman committed suicide? How, why are we feeling that way? (laughs) The whole family is dead. You know, why are we feeling so cleansed and happy? And I think that, obviously, in terms of tragedy and tragedies in general, so in literature, in in anything, you do feel this weird, strange restorativeness at the end of it. When everyone's dead, you're like, oh, okay, new beginning. It's cleaning out the old, in with the new kind of thing. And that is kind of what it feels at the end of this film. There is this emotional cleansing, but it comes from finding the truth. The family don't believe that that's what they're searching, but their goal is, and they're kind of unconsciously, psychologically, kind of seeking truth and seeking peace. And I've put here as well, that peace comes with truth, and that is why we kind of feel this kind of niceness at the end. And there's freedom in that, but there's also not a judgment, which is really interesting, because if this narrative was the other way around, and, you know, there was the event of them dying and then the rest of it was them finding their way through purgatory. We'd be like, oh, such an awful mother. Honestly, she's such a monster. You know, she's a murderer. But we don't know that. And we don't know that until the end. So we know her as a person. We get to know her. Now, she doesn't... There isn't a lot that we do find out about her, to be honest. But still, we're with her the whole time through this awful journey. And... By the end, we find out she's a murderer, but do I feel as if she's a horrible, awful, monstrous person? No. No, I don't. I don't feel that because, yeah, we don't really ever know why she did it as well. We don't know what's been going on, but we know that things haven't been right and that there's external factors that have kind of pushed this to its extreme. And and it kind of puts her against, obviously, her husband, when he kind of appears for a bit. One of the main fascinating questions that the kids ask him, and also what I think she refers to it as well, like, did you kill anyone? As if that's such a fascinating question. Did you kill anyone? And he never really answers it. I don't think so, not not properly. Uh, Which, of course, I mean, you've just been through to a war, so I don't think you want to. But we, we see her put against, like, a soldier. 
whose kind of job is to do that and I feel like I don't I don't view them I don't use that to define them if that makes sense as I know it's strange but but I don't feel that you know defining them by who you've killed or what violence you've committed to me they're just two people and they're two people living in obviously really difficult circumstances and the film isn't about what's right and what's wrong and who's bad and who's good it's about mixing all of it together and going well this is the real world I don't know and obviously it feels different because we know now that these characters are both dead so there is kind of like this reflectiveness on it so in a way justice has been served but we're not quite sure what that is (laughs) yeah it's it's strange but yeah I do feel that there is definitely some sort of cleansing going on here yes And leading on to that, I think I remember one of the children, I think it was Anne, reads aloud the Bible and I notice she reads about Abraham and his son. And basically this kind of story is Abraham has a son who he never thought he was going to have. I think there's, you know, some fertility issues that happen or something. Anyway, and he has finally has a son. But then God goes, well, how far can you take it? why don't you just sacrifice your son? And instead of being like, no, no, I would never do that, he go- Abraham goes, yeah, okay, okay. Don't worry, it didn't happen. But he still said okay. So he was willing to sacrifice his son in order for this closeness with God. And it's really interesting because the children read this. I know Anne does anyway. I don't know about the other one, but they're oblivious the whole time, but they are the sacrificed children. So although the kid does not get sacrificed in the biblical story, there's goodness in that, so he doesn't actually happen. In this film, <laughs> the kids are reading that and they are the sacrificed children. They are literally sacrificed because they are innocent victims, which begs the question, why? Why would you do that? Why would they be sacrificed in that way? For no reason. And I think as well, this is the criticism on religion. Because obviously they read that those things and, you know, what could be achieved by that? If God had told her to kill her children in some perverse way, the achievement would be to be close to God and to have faith in God. But yet, that is something that Grace, their mother, never seems to have. She's constantly searching and she's constantly being contradicted by these kind of intrusive thoughts. She lets her intrusive thoughts win, yet she says that she loves God, she does all this biblical stuff, you know. So, what is... There is no goal here. She's just a hypocrite. Um, And again, that is the criticism on religion saying that, you know, people can say this, they can say, oh, you need to do that, you need to do that, but actually, do you actually do it? You know, does it achieve anything? You know, you can preach all these things, but they might not be real, and they might not actually make any sense at all. But yeah, and again... There's, there's kind of like this weird religion is looked on in a pointless way because we see it through the children. I think a reason they could potentially be in this purgatory is we see them, they go, I don't know what I believe in. I don't know. So they choose not to because, I don't know, they're scared. They're scared and I don't, they don't think God's going to help them. And I mean, I don't blame them because, you know, these kids, although they may be dead and in purgatory, but the reason they're there is kind of you know their their really religious mother has murdered them for no reason no proper reason and no wonder you wouldn't you would be like yeah I don't really know I don't really know what I believe and I don't think he's real that kind of thing of course you would do that after that (laughs) like 
there's no doubt in that because yeah they have this desire for the superstition i mean they are ghosts already but they don't know that (laughs) and they kind of have this desire for maybe what if what if everything wasn't perfect what if you know there were monsters in the cupboard that kind of thing they do have that desire and their curiosity about it as well which suggests that naturally people will and that's okay and with this kind of extreme religion it can blind you from the truth and that is one thing that they don't have i mean i don't know whether this is like a universal experience once you die but they seem to be they can't find the truth they can't see it but it is the reason why especially grace their mother she can't see the truth because this religion this disciplined ideology that she's brought up like built up in her mind is not allowing her to see clearly because she won't like she doesn't want to see in a different way so back on the abraham point as well actually obviously abraham decides he's going to sacrifice his son but in terms of you know what he stands for in the bible he's very much described as a patriarch figure and i think as well them reading that story speaks to the fact that these kids just want their dad and they can't see him because he's at war and he died there but they don't know that and yeah i think that is another reason why they might be reading that particular point from the bible okay so next i'm gonna move on to why why did she kill her children like why would you do that so i've got many points here obviously the first one maybe she's mad Maybe she drove herself insane. She isolated herself from the rest of the world in this house, like, on an island. There is no one else around apart from the people that work there, and that is it. She doesn't see anyone. She might see someone like, she talks about a priest at one point. She might see the priest a bit, but that's it. That's it. You know, potentially could be that just normal but also you know maybe she has this desire for control in a time where there is no control so in terms of you know there's a war she's got a she has this instinct to save her children which is really ironic because she kills them but she has this desire to control her environment everything about her life needs to be controlled but yet again you know she's in a, a place and a societal time where they're at war and everything is messed around so it's kind of like this extreme desire for control which then obviously leads her to kill her children naturally next up we have potential abuse maybe that isn't displayed in the film but she does hit one of them at one point which very much scares the child and that shows that they are scared of her very much but obviously they still can't quite remember i think she does hit it and i think that's the moment the kid does remember what happened but yeah could be that but also maybe we're talking about the manifestation of violence here they're living in a time where they know there's a war happening they know that their father might be out there killing people and it's not a great time at all and maybe and i like to kind of see this in kind of war films and war set films is the manifestation of violence overseas manifests itself in that the violence overseas manifests itself into the lives of the people at home and obviously they'll be thinking about that kind of thing as well and obviously there's this injustice that comes with war as well so no one wins no one you know people die but they die for no reason well what feels like no reason at all definitely 
and maybe this kind of not knowing and this kind of curiosity of maybe that kind of thing is just a manifestation of this kind of injustice which makes the whole world become wrong so in terms of a larger objective picture all is not well and all is unbalanced everywhere so you know maybe it's that kind of manifestation also in terms of our setting now i don't know how it's not a massive point but we are just after the second world war and kind of what happened to the class system after that time in the uk it it kind of did crumble a little bit. You know, working class people had the right to kind of get to the top a bit more. There wasn't necessarily, you know, poor and rich. It kind of mingled a little bit. And because because in war, everyone is equal, everyone is mortal, you know, you can't, your your wealth can't save you. So there was definitely that kind of thing that happened after the war. And in terms of all the whole family dying, and we know this isn't like a, a rich family, a family from good means, and all of them dying at the end, all of them having died as well, and being sacrificed in some ways, isn't like a metaphorical idea of the death of the aristocracy and how that kind of way of living just can't happen anymore. It just doesn't happen in the same way. And yeah that's kind of another way these are kind of explanations that kind of justify (laughs) you can't justify this but if you could then this is kind of how the film justifies it yes and i also wanted obviously we have the monstrous feminine returning monstrous feminine of course being a villain character obviously that identifies as female usually what makes them scary is the kind of like attention to maybe mothering qualities or the reproductive body is what makes them scary and in terms of grace our kind of crazed mother again she's a mother and what the crime she commits obviously killing her children is definitely along the monstrous feminine lines and what makes her frightening and out of control because it relates to a perverse mother so a mother who does not care for her children or cares for them but then causes violence to them so she's definitely monstrous feminine there although again it's not necessarily clear but she is quite mad at times (laughs) she does kind of go a bit off the rails okay so next up again just discussing the purgatory situation so if we think the house that they live in is purgatory now the big question for me is the father does come back for a little while and then just leaves and i'm like why why that's so strange because he didn't die there we think he died on he died in battle i'm guessing and maybe him returning was him dying and him moving on but i was like okay so why would he move on apparently you know if he's killed people in a war then surely if we're talking in religious terms he's not purified to go to heaven so now i'm like okay well what but it says but it says here i wrote this (laughs) but i wrote that maybe his kind of cleansing so his punishment the price he has to pay to get to heaven links to the sacrifice of his own children now interestingly there are two children and to kind of cancel everything out the father doing the battle stuff obviously his son dies well they both die but this violence kind of transcends to the family and the children are the sacrifice for him to go to heaven and in terms of again this makes absolutely no sense 
But why are they in purgatory? I'm confused now. So the mother and the children are in purgatory, but the father, I think he may have moved on. That's why he kind of came and went. And he went because he knew the truth, because the kid told him. And the price he had to pay to get to heaven involved the sacrifice of his children. So he's sorted. So why are the children still with their mother? Because they need to find out the truth in order to heal from it the truth, if you can even do that. But everything is kind of cancelled out in a strange way because obviously the children are sacrificed and we can talk about cleansing the father's sins through that way. But also the mother's sins are cleansed through the death of the children too. And her killing the children in terms of a crime is kind of cancelled out by the fact she kills herself. So they all cancel out. I think maybe that's what's going on I don't know but also when he comes back he kind of there's a bit where he just lies on the bed and he's just like not even alive well he's there he's just not with us (laughs) maybe that shows that he is in a different place completely which makes sense but also in terms of like PTSD maybe before he died he suffered from PTSD really badly and he was already technically a ghost because you know he was a shell of himself and maybe him kind of going and leaving is the memory of them leaving him as he kind of goes from I don't know being conscious of his thoughts to then not and kind of nothingness and then dying I don't know I don't know that is one I haven't figured out obviously anyone who's watched this film and is still listening any thoughts about it let me know because I'm confused still okay so again the war i'm saying here in this film is not a physical thing it is a psychological thing and i think that's straight it's is nice in a way because it does obviously this is very extreme but it links the you know the children and their mother to this father who's not there and it's the war that links them in a strange way Because the mother obviously kills the children, the father's at war fighting, so violence. But also, as you're thinking in a way, if you want to look at it like this, which I don't like to, but in terms of the family unit, the father going away is what breeds, we don't know whether it breeds the violence, but because it's not answered, it could be a potential reason. The father's presence not being there, unbalanced, everything is imbalanced, which is why obviously at the end we have all this chaos and we find out the truth and... I think it's that then the chaos and the kind of perverseness that kind of like balances everything out again so everything is as it should be everything all is is all well uh, because it wasn't for such a long time yeah and uh, again when we talk about the truth as well I mean if you think the kids have this condition I think they did have this condition it wasn't just that they're ghosts when they were alive but they can't go in the light and the light is synonymous with the truth So there's a bit where all the curtains are taken off and there's light everywhere and she's like, oh my God, the curtains, the curtains, someone's taken the curtains away and I didn't do it. And it's just the truth. It's like, you need to realise what happened here. You need to know. I think the servants watch this. They they are an important part of it because they, I don't know, they're there to guide them. I'm not quite sure what their purpose is, but you know, that happened to them. So they're just kind of like an objective figure, just observing them and being like, they're gonna realise soon enough. Which is why it keeps you going, well, what, what is it? What is it? Because these people know, but I don't know. And in terms of, like, religion as well. So the kids not being able to go into the light means they're di- denied of truth. 
and that kind of links maybe if we're talking about religious terms not experiencing the truth if you want to get pretty critical you can say that people who have this kind of upbringing of really strict religious stuff in their lives maybe don't necessarily experience their own truth and how they think and how they how they experience the world in a non-religious way kind of thing they don't have that they're not allowed it because everything's projected onto them which and light is usually in religion if we talk about religion light is usually hope it's the holy spirit it's you know it's god and you know the first thing that god created was light but in this film it's kind of like turned on its head and light is seen as maybe you know not necessarily a good thing because the kids can't see light they get you know they get all this rash and stuff if they see the light so it's seen as something to be feared rather than maybe something to be like hope 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 no light is a bad thing in this film very interesting okay and then just to kind of finish this little section off the cinematography is so amazing i love it it's my cup of tea i started watching this film right from the back didn't know what was going on but i went this film is for me the, the lighting is so beautiful the use of candles the use of shadow the shadow is really interesting as well and works so well because obviously we see them in shadow a lot and i'm like these shadows are really big what's going on here because they're ghosts they are the shadows (laughs) they're fearing the shadows yet they are them which again is a really interesting discussion in itself and a lot of them low-key lit as well so there's something they know that they're not telling us there's something that's kind of there's a duality here that we don't know about again we've got the fog we've got the negative space the darkness so there's hidden truths and we know that right from the beginning but it's just trying to find out what that is and yeah and then the light being bad and the kind of this not using loads of light means that you know light is bad they can't face the actual truth only kind of like manipulations of the truth which is what they do with the light you know they've got to close the shutters Uh, they've got to use candles to see they're manipulating how much light is in the room and how much light they can see and they create their own light if that makes sense but yeah the cinematography amazing the aesthetic of this film amazing there's like a bit where the kid one of Anne, wears a white dress and a veil and she looks like a ghost and it's so cool and she just like hobbles around like she's not very tall she looks like a little ghost and that's because she is and it makes sense as to why her mother sees her like that and she freaks out obviously i think the kind of the living spirit of the woman who's like the psychic kind of tunes into anne in that way so her face kind of is morphed onto anne but at the same time you know it's the mother looking on her kid being like shit i killed my kid and now they're a ghost because of me (laughs) like they're not alive anymore and she does get triggered by things like that and that makes sense because she's trying to remember what happened because they just kind of forgot and as well she kind of has this obsession with a rifle and she goes to get the rifle quite a lot and the first time she gets she goes to the rifle she looks at it as if she's seen it before and of course she did because she killed herself with that rifle and yeah she tries to use it as like to try and kill these quote-unquote ghosts and yeah she's like i've seen this before but i don't know where i've seen this and yeah it makes sense now (laughs) that's why i could speak for speak for ages on this but this is such a creepy creepy like 
emotional, creepy gaslighting film. <sighs> Honestly, takes you takes you on a roller coaster as if you're an idiot, and then you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I could have I could have got that the whole time. I just didn't. It's just so creepy, so amazing, so beautiful. Yeah. So next up, we're gonna do the acting appreciation, which I didn't do in Coraline because I had so much to say visually that I was just like. I don't think I've got any, like, I could, you know, it'd just be me praising it again. So I was like, you know what, I'll just skip it for that one. But in this, I'm going to keep in the acting appreciation. Nicole Kidman, as Grace, was very powerful because you couldn't figure out why or what she was doing. Obviously, she was in great distress and you never knew why. She was, you know, there's, when we first see her, she's screaming in her sleep and now it makes sense. I mean, what's interesting about her character as well is we kind of have no, I feel when I watch this, I'm positioned with the children. So I kind of, I side on the children's side. So in that way, I don't, I can't see Grace as a necessarily bad, evil person. She's a very confusing, contradicting person, but she's not bad evil, if that makes sense. And I think, in a way, that's because I'm positioned with the children, and that is the view the children take of their mother. Obviously, they're scared of her, and they're like, what's she gonna do now? She killed them, but they still love her, so it's very, very confusing. And I think that Nicole Kidman made a good job of not, of us not seeing her as you know, this callous evil mother. She kind of has this longing for her family to be back together and longing to be happy, but she never gets it. And we, we never really know what's kind of wrong with her and what drove her to this kind of like madness. It's not ever really expressed, but it's really interesting. And sometimes I feel she's a bit cold, but I think that that makes sense because of course we can't see her as a nice character and we can't like her. We can't like her too much, but she is seen as quite cold in some occasions and I think that was a nice touch just because otherwise it would be even more confusing after we find out what happened. But amazing job. It really gave me Hedda Gabler vibes when Hedda Gabler goes in that descent to madness. That kind of like, I don't know, like, she brings out parts of herself that, that have been repressed. <laughs> and that's very similar to what Nicole Kidman does in The Others, as Grace is really good. The kids, I'm moving on to the kids, they're so good, so well cast, amazing. They're so little, they're so innocent, they're victims, my god, but they're also, like, kids, they're real kids, you know? They're like, oh, I want to, you know, they're still full of life. They're kind of, they're questioning their mother. They're being really curious. They're telling ghost stories. Uh, they talk about ghosts and what ghosts should be quite a lot. And it's so ironic because they're ghosts themselves and they don't even know. And they're like, no, ghosts, like they do the Christmas Carol description where like, ghosts have like, they're white and they have chains. And yeah, I like how defiant Anne is. I think so often if you get kids in this kind of story, obviously they're the victims and they're the innocent victims. But as well, they they have minds too. And I like how Anne and Nicholas are very contrasting. So Anne is she's very defiant. She's very like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. And that is what frustrates her mother because she can't control Anne. 
necessarily and then Nicholas is just always scared and he's always scared because his mother has kind of like put him in that environment she's very hot and cold with them you know one minute she's loving them the next minute she's shouting at them punishing them hitting them that kind of thing so it's very very difficult to kind of play that as a child but one thing they do do is you can tell how much these kids would still love their mother regardless of what she did like the end scene there's like their mother is hugging both of them going I'm sorry I'm sorry I didn't mean to do this I didn't mean to kill you and they're like clutching onto her because that's all they have and it's just crazy so good so good and then all also we've got Christopher Eccleston comes in for a little bit as their dad and again he makes such a good job of making it creepy because of course if he came in open arms like whoa hi guys it'd be like oh great this is amazing but there's always something off and there was something off about him coming in and I love it in terms of what kind of things he would be doing you know he wasn't there maybe he was living he was back in France and he's not physically there with them and he he's physically somewhere else and that is kind of the vibe I get because he's never properly looking at them and there's a scene where he's lying down and he's just his eyes are just open and he's just like not even there I don't know I did that that's so good and he just appears and it always looks like he's looking past them he's never truly looking at them and listening to them he's always somewhere else amazing amazing I also like the servants as well I think that they were a good mixture of being I've seen this film before you know I've been here before I know exactly what's going on here but also that kind of the control of not letting that slip out you do kind of at one point you go oh my god the servants the bad guys because they're so nonchalant about the whole thing but actually they're not they just they're just there they're literally just there they're doing their thing and yeah I, I liked how we have the older man and the older woman and then the mute girl and again creepy combination they're just kind of bystanders just like we are watching I do feel like that so at the end you're like oh they're not bad guys they're just kind of they've got nothing else to do and then that'll bring us to the end of the film I've been talking for ages I really like this film and I was so shocked I wasn't expecting it to be this good I was expecting to watch a few and this was the first one I watched so oops I really liked it I don't know what's everyone's cup of tea, but it's so gothic, so old school. Definitely my kind of thing. Perfect Halloween film. Also not crazy scary, not crazy gory. There's none of that. It's just all energy and all, you know, this feeling of things not being how you seem and this feeling of not knowing which is constantly all the way through so that was the others so i'll be back next week with another halloween pick hopefully might go a bit further into that horror genre this was kind of a nice this is a nice entry into it so obviously if you have my instagram please add it movies on my mind pod and please add to your library leave a review i forgot to say this at the start but i'm saying it now i'll be here next week so enjoy i'll be back with another halloween pick next time 